It's a bit of a long one today. There's actually two Bible readings, so I'll be popping up, back up again, uh, just before, um, or just after the sermon, actually. But uh, now I'm going to read from uh, John uh, chapter 11, starting at verse 1 and finishing at verse 44. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, He stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. 
Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Thank you, Jenny. Well, good morning. I'll add to uh, Bertie's welcome. Uh, if you're visiting us this morning, my name's Jono, and uh, <coughs> I lead the ministry here at uh, Grace Anglican Church, Harrington Park. And it's my uh, privilege to be opening God's Word with you this morning. Uh, we're, f- I think, five weeks in or six weeks in to meeting in this new, fantastic new school hall. Um, first day with the door down, first day with the heaters on. We've got some, um, some uh, things to work out with those, but... Um, We'll, uh, we'll sort that out. I hope everyone's warm enough and not, uh, not too hot, not too cold. Uh, let's, um, let's pray as we come to reflect on this part of God's word. Father God, we thank you for your word to us. We, uh, we thank and praise you for this day. And we ask that you give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts ready to respond to you with faith. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, according to uh, an Australian community survey... In 2019, 59% of Australians believe in life after death. Uh, that was actually, and I think we've got a graph that's, um, that's coming up here, that was actually a, a, an increase from 45% about a decade earlier. So 59% of Australians believe in life after death. Um, interestingly, 47% of Australians surveyed said that they believe that Jesus was resurrected bodily from the dead. But just take that first stat. more than one in two in our population believe in life after death. Now, there's a verse in the Bible in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that says that God, he has set eternity in the human heart. I think that rings true for people. I think we have a sense of life beyond this world, beyond this life. Uh, you see it expressed at, at funerals, I mean, certainly at, at Christian funerals, but at, at other funerals too. This, this idea is often expressed that the, the person who has died is, is in a better place. Perhaps they're still with us. Perhaps they're, they're looking down upon us or something like that. There's this, this belief in life after death. Do people really believe this? Uh, perhaps is it just something comforting to to say, to help people cope with what's happening. Maybe it is. But I think it is intrinsic to us that that life is meant to be bigger than this life. Which is why death seems so alien, so horrific, so wrong, such a violation. Now you might be thinking, well, gee, Jono, this is not a very cheery thing to think about. You know, it's Easter. Can't you give me something happy, a bit of a distraction? 
maybe a bit of joy, some chocolate, some Easter bunnies. You know, Easter is meant to be a, a happy time. What's this talk about death? Isn't it meant to be a time of good news, of happiness, of life? Well, indeed it is. But we only actually see the extent of the good news and the magnitude of the happiness and the fullness of life that Easter holds. We only see that when we see it against the backdrop of the problem that Easter addresses, the the backdrop of the problem of death. We typically try not to think about death or talk about it or just, just try to avoid it completely as a topic. But actually Easter faces up to the problem of death and it blows it out of the water. So let me ask you, do you believe in life after death? It's actually a question that, uh, that Jesus asked Martha in the passage of the Bible that we've just read. He talks about life beyond death and, and how we can have that. And then he says, do you believe this? Well, how can we? How can we know? Is belief in life beyond this world, is, is it just in the realm of superstition and wishful thinking, just a kind of sentimental thing to say to make us feel better? Is life after death a great unknown? But what if someone who knew came? What if someone who had experienced it told us? What if someone who is, who is bigger than, more powerful than death spoke and showed us? Well, the words in this book before us today, they show us the way to life beyond death. And it's, it's not in the realm of a great unknown or of, of a superstition or sentimentalism. It's not vague and kind of out there. So I want to say, look with me at the words of Jesus, because they contain the most wonderful, the most profound news that we can know. Now, today is, of course, uh, Re- Resurrection Sunday, the, the, the day that we remember the resurrection of Jesus. And you might be wondering why our Bible reading wasn't about Jesus rising from the dead. Uh, Well, I want us to focus on the events of another man's life and death and a story, because it's a story that actually acts as a pointer to the significance of Jesus' resurrection. It highlights for us the significance of Easter. Uh, We pick it up in uh, John 11 with this man, Lazarus, along with his sisters, Mary and Martha, who were friends of Jesus. And it says in 11 verse 1 that they were from the village of Bethany near Jerusalem. And Lazarus was ill, was seriously ill. Uh, this is, this is life-threatening. And so his sisters, Mary and Martha, send a message to Jesus, who's some distance away at this point. A message which says, verse 3, Lord, the one you love is sick. Your friend is sick. Now, the impl- implication of their message is, is fairly uh, is fairly clear, it's not spelt out, but the implication is, look, Jesus, you, you've healed lots of other people, come and, and heal Lazarus, come and heal our brother. Jesus knows what's going to happen. And so he announces uh, there in verse 4, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus doesn't mean that this sickness won't lead to death, but that it won't, that won't be the end. There will be life after death for Lazarus. So they've sent word to Jesus, your friend is sick. Jesus has power to heal. What does he do? Does he, does he rush straight back to Bethany and, and heal Lazarus? Well, no. Look at verse 5, and this is a bit strange. Verse 5, 
says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he rushed back to Bethany as fast as he could. No, it doesn't say that, does it? He stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Jesus stayed away. Why? Well, it says because he loved them, he waited two more days. Why? Hang on to that question. We'll see why in a moment. Uh, Jesus then tells his disciples, well, okay, we're heading back south to Judea. The disciples remind him that Judea is not really a safe place for him to be. Remember the, you know, the Jews there, the ones that tried to stone you to death? Jesus brushes their objection aside. He tells them why they are going. Verse 11, he says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. They miss the point. He's asleep. Oh, good. Well, you know, he needs to rest. Probably get better if he sleeps. Sleeps it off. That's, that's good. Jesus tells them plainly, verse 14, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And so they set off. Now, when they arrived, jump down to verse 17, it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, think about the maths of this. When they arrived, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Now, they'd waited two days before they set off. If they hadn't waited those two days, but rushed straight away, when they got there, Lazarus would still have been dead, just dead for two days rather than four days. Either way, whether they waited or not, they wouldn't have got there before he died. So why did Jesus wait the two days before setting off? He knew what was going to happen. He knew that Lazarus would die, so why wait the extra two days? I think it was to make clear beyond any question or any doubt, that Lazarus was dead, really dead. He hadn't just been dead for two days, he'd been dead for four days. Um, now, apparently in first century Jewish thinking, uh, when someone died, it was thought that the person's soul kind of hung around their body for, for, for three days. Perhaps if this way of thinking had sort of fed into, into to what they were thinking, then, then, well, four days, that makes it very clear that Lazarus is, is dead and gone. Jesus arrives. Martha goes out to meet him. She says, verse 21, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. You see there Martha expresses faith in Jesus. I know that you could have healed him. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. You could have healed him. Does she also believe that maybe Jesus could still bring him back to life? Perhaps. Kind of hints at that, but, but then we see later on she seems to doubt. Jesus then reassures Martha, verse 23, he says, your brother will rise again. Martha answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Martha, he's echoing the, the Jewish understanding uh, from the Old Testament that, that, that there will be a final day of resurrection and judgment. We see that throughout the, um, the Old Testament. For example, in Daniel uh, chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. So Martha believed that, that this last day was coming, and so she, she would have heard Jesus' words as well, a general comfort that, look, one day Lazarus will rise again. 
He will have life beyond this world in the final day of resurrection. And Martha says, yeah, I, I know. But then Jesus says something staggering. Something so f- profound, so far-reaching, that, that this little incident of the tragic sickness of one obscure first-century Jewish man has become a beacon that shines throughout the world, that shines down through the ages, even to us sitting here in this school hall on the other side of the world some 2,000 years later. Jesus says, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. The resurrection, the the judgment day in the end, life after death, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. There is no other resurrection, no life outside of me. It's tied up in me, says Jesus. If you believe in me, you will live. Even though your physical body will die, yet you will live. Then Jesus asks Martha, and he asks us through the pages of John's gospel, do you believe this? Do you believe that that life is tied up in me? Martha replies, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. I believe you are the one from God. Martha knows that that in the future, Jesus will bring life beyond death in the resurrection at the last day. She knows that, and yet she's struggling. She's struggling in the present. Her brother has died. Likewise, her her sister Mary is struggling. Martha goes, gets Mary, brings her to Jesus. Mary rushes to his and falls at his feet and says, verse 32... Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Mary knows that Jesus has power over sickness. He could have prevented Lazarus' death. Mary's distressed. She's weeping. But look at verse 33. It says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. You know, the word there translated deeply moved, it, it's, it's an unusual one. It's, kind of, it's more than being just moved. It has the idea of, of anger, of, of indignation. Jesus saw the, the fallenness, the brokenness of this world and this world suffering and a death and he's, he's deeply moved, he's, he's angry, he's indignant and, and troubled in spirit. He says, where have you laid him? They say, come and see. And then we have the shortest verse in the Bible. John 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. It's a profound verse. Why did Jesus weep? I don't think it's because he's, he's missing his friend Lazarus and he, know, I mean, he knows what he's about to do. He knows he's about to raise him from the dead. He's planned that from the beginning. He's going to wake him up. Why does he weep? Well, because he's confronted by the suffering and grief and brokenness that death brings. Human sin has has broken our world and and as a result, death wreaks havoc. Jesus sees this. 
Sometimes when people encounter bad things in this world, they, they say things like, well, why doesn't God do something about it? Doesn't he care? You know, is he at a distance, kind of turning a blind eye to human suffering? No, God does care. God has come near. Jesus has seen and encountered death and is rightly angered, indignant, troubled by the brokenness and suffering that our sin has brought to this world. Jesus wept. But more than that, he did something about it. Verse 38 says, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour for he's been there four days. Jesus says, take away the stone. Martha says, hang on, hang on. And she points out a, a harsh reality. Notice there it describes Martha, verse 39, as the sister of the dead man. I mean, we kind of know who she is. We, I think this is just underlying the fact that this man is dead, which is further underlined by what she says. By this time there's a bad odour for he's been there four days. Um, the old King James Version has a, a lovely translation of this verse. It says, Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he hath been dead, dead four days. Good word, marvellous word, stinketh. See if you can slip that into a sentence somewhere today. Um, Martha points out that Lazarus's body would be starting to decay. <laughs> she believes, but is she really expecting Jesus to, to reverse death now? Jesus says, verse 40, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they take away the stone. Then Jesus prays and, and really his prayer is that those around him would, would know that he is sent from God. That what is, what, what's about to happen not only shows uh, what Jesus can do, it, it's meant to show who Jesus is, that he is sent from God. And then Jesus calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Jesus stands with the authority of God as the one sent from God, the one who created life. He stands and declares his authority over death. Some have commented that it's a good thing that he specified the name Lazarus. Otherwise, at his command, all the tombs would have given up their dead. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. In verse 44, the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus gives life to the dead man. Jesus has authority over death. And his authority is ultimately shown not long after this at the site of another tomb. Another tomb where a stone had been rolled away, where grave clothes were left behind, where Jesus himself rose from the dead, defeating sin and death once and for all. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? So often we go about life uh, our own way, in our own strength, we, we turn our back on God, which if he's our creator... I mean, that's, that's ultimately foolish. And yet he is also the God of compassion. The God who, for now, is patiently bearing with our folly. 
He looks upon our, our broken lives. He looks upon our broken world, a world plagued by sin and death, a world that's turned its back on its creator. And he stands before us in Jesus and declares, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He calls on us. He invites us. In fact, he commands us to turn back to him. Our world has turned its back on God. And yet Jesus stands over that and he says that if our trust is in him, then we will live as his people. We will live with real hope. We will live with a real future. We will live with life beyond death. What a message we need to hear. What a message our world needs to hear. Now, some of you here this morning might say, well, gee, Jono, that's a big claim. I mean, for this man, Jesus, some 2,000 years ago to stand in you know, a little town two miles from Jerusalem and claim to be the way to eternal life, to claim that believing in him is the way for life for people across all places and all time. Yeah, that's a big claim. But it's a claim that's been backed up, validated by God, in that this man Jesus himself rose from the dead. Jesus has given proof of this reality by rising from the dead himself. And if you need convincing of that fact, I'd say look into it. Examine the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. You can start by reading the eyewitness accounts recorded in the Gospels. This is not based on some kind of vague philosophy. It's not based on wishful thinking. It's based on the fact of a real event in human history. And this reality changes everything. It changes everything for all of us because it means that we live life now not as if, well, we live and then we die and that's it. No, we live now for the next 2, 5, 10, 15, 20, 80 years, whatever it is that God may give to us, we live life now for eternity. We live life now for life after death. So let me ask you, what do you make of Jesus? And how will you respond to him? As he stands before you in, in the pages of John's Gospel, and as he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you that you are not distant. That you have come near to us in the Lord Jesus. We thank you that you care about the brokenness of this world, that you care about the brokenness of our lives. We thank you that you have done something about it. Father, we confess that, that we are the problem with this world. We, we have turned our backs on you. We deserve your condemnation. But Father, we thank you that in Jesus, he has come near has taken the punishment for sin in our place our father we thank you that he has defeated death by rising to new life please help us to believe in jesus to have life now and life for all eternity and help us to put our trust in him and live for him and we ask in jesus name amen i'm going to be reading the um the account of jesus resurrection from john chapter 19 
starting at verse 41, going through chapter 20 to verse 18. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have, yet not, I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her.